Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! envision the right one being someone I could see myself growing old with. I'm in love with you. I am so in love with you. Hey, Robbie, that wasn't a bad song, you know? I'm gonna tell this record company guys about you. Mind if I give her a kiss first? Oh, yeah, dude, you gotta do it. <laughs> Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike MacMasunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the STL. Very excited to be back here today to talk to Wedding Singer. Uh, it's been a few weeks since the Jaws episode. That was so much fun to do. I uh, hope you guys had a really good time with that. It was super fun to go back and rewatch that movie almost for like the first time. And as you could tell, had a lot of different changes of opinion than I did previously on Jaws. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, please do. So it was a lot of fun. And it's really cool when you get to go back and you haven't seen a movie in so long. And you kind of watch it almost with a fresh pair of eyes. Or you haven't seen a movie in forever and you kind of hope that your you know, the viewing experience will be different, and that's kind of what happened with me on Jaws. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please do so. I definitely got to find out how many listeners are left in the STL Nation land. Not too much, but hey, what do you expect? I mean, I did retire, right? So I can't expect to have everybody back, but uh, it's pretty cool. At least I have the hardcore fans left. That's all that matters, right? So this particular episode is The Wedding Singer. I am uh, super pumped to be talking about this one. Now, just to kind of refresh your memory, maybe if you haven't seen the news yet or looked in the Facebook post, essentially Spaceballs was supposed to be this episode here. But when Jameis and I got together just a few weeks ago, we decided that we definitely want to do that movie together when we can get back together. So... I said, you know, I'll just throw up a vote for the movies that tied second place, which was The Wedding Singer, The Burbs, and RoboCop, and then we'll go from there. So essentially, 
what happened is he threw up a new vote, just said, hey, we're still going to do space balls, but I'm going to wait for Jameson on that one. So whenever that happens, I'll let you guys know. But let's vote on which movies you want to hear next. So The Wedding Singer was the one that won the vote and then the burbs was second place and then robocop was third place now because all three of those movies was second place they all tied for second place in the original vote you know the the return to episode of stl uh, which was jaws and Spaceballs. they both tied for first place so the uh, second place winners essentially are all going to be reviewed it's just a matter of what order were we going to do it in so uh wedding singers this episode the next episode will be the burbs and then before we get into robocop we'll finally be in the month of october so i'm going to do we'll kind of talk about how we're going to do the whole october fest at the end of the episode but uh just know the next episode after this one will be the burbs with tom hanks you know folks tom hanks the guy who only did comedies and now he's Mr. Serious. Yeah, that guy. Uh, the Burbs will be the next episode. And then uh, after the Oktoberfest is over, first episode after that will be RoboCop. And then we'll start up a new vote for what's the next set of movies going forward. So it'll be good times, super fun. If you're a new listener or you're an old listener and you're not part of the group, that's the place where you need to be at if you want to get your voice heard and hear movies and put your votes in, all that good stuff. So, uh, needless to say, we got a lot to talk about today. So, why don't we go ahead and get into some news? Right. So the biggest news of the week is probably the announcement and casting of the villain for the Batman solo film in a few years. Uh, it's pretty cool. So Joe Magnanello is, uh, for those of you who don't know, if you watch the show True, uh, True Blood on HBO, it was a vampire show. Uh, he was in it. He was a werewolf. He was pretty badass. I, I've loved this guy ever since I saw him. Uh, he's pretty famous now for Magic Mike. 
Uh, he was actually in uh, Pee Wee's that the, the Netflix movie. What was it? Pee Wee's Big Holiday. He was real funny in that, kind of playing himself. I mean, the guy is huge. He's very charismatic. Uh, he's super fun times. Anyway, he got cast to be Deathstroke. And uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be in Justice League. But because Ben Affleck is the one that posted the screen test video, it was like, well, Zack Snyder would have posted the video if he was going to be in Justice League. So rumors came to be, is it Justice League? Is it Batman solo film? And pretty much Jeff Johns came out and confirmed uh, that it is, in fact, um, Ben Affleck's solo movie villain. Now, here's uh, a few things you may, may not know, but... Deathstroke is pretty freaking awesome. Now, if you read most of the comic book stories, Deathstroke uh, always kicks Batman's ass. Very rarely is there a story where Batman wins. Uh, I mean, Deathstroke is able to use 90% of his brain, which is pretty awesome. Uh, he's definitely an enhanced human. Uh, he, his size, I mean, he's basically match for match the uh, the evil version of Batman, you know. It's just he uses more of his brain. Now, in the Batman Arkham games, if you played Arkham Origins, of course, you could beat Deathstroke. But really, you didn't beat him. You just kind of knocked him out and threw him in jail. That's probably as far as it would get. This is a great choice that Ben Affleck did. I, I have no worries about this because Ben Affleck obviously picked this guy. He's going to write him well. I know some people are a little bit worried about that, but I have total faith in it. But if you read most of the comic book lines... You know, I like him way better than Bane personally. Yeah, Bane broke his back, but Deathstroke is just way, way better. So I totally dig it. I love the actor who's going to be playing him. Um, I'm very excited to see where uh, where things go. And, uh, you know, it's too early to tell how things are going to go. We just know uh, what the costume looks like, uh, who's going to be in it, and uh, that, you know, it's going to be in Ben Affleck's Batman movie. So... I'm super pumped about this news. I was uh, really hoping it was going to be him. There was uh, actual talk that he uh, was in the running for uh, Superman, for Man of Steel. But, you know, they really liked him a lot and just said, you know, we'll put you in a future movie. And it looks like the time has come. So I was really excited about this news. Of course, there's all these news articles coming out about, you know, how Justice League is... Uh, definitely going to be going in the right direction and how we kind of sped things up and you know they always said that they were going to start dark and go light but I think they wanted to do it a little bit further uh, than they did uh, obviously uh, I mean you guys have heard all these stories but it's just you know more and more every day these reinforcing articles and news things come out about how the DCEU is changing its vision to be more happy and not deconstructing its superheroes and things like that. So I'm basically at a, at a wait and see at this moment in time. Not get my hopes up, but be hopeful at the same time. So Okay, so another story, uh, which is uh, kind of, it's kind of good news and bad news. So uh, in regards to all these teen movies that are out, you know, like you got uh, Divergent and, you know, you had Hunger Games and, uh, all this and that. I oh, I really like the Maze Runner movies. They're super fun. I love Dylan O'Brien. You know, I've loved him obviously since Teen Wolf. Uh, this is the final season of Teen Wolf. As you may know, he got injured, uh, got ran over by a car. You know, thank God he, everything was okay. He just took a long time to recuperate. But they're finally filming because by now Teen Wolf would have been out. Summer would have been over. But it's the final season, so I'm glad they're gonna. You know, we're gonna have closure. Uh, good times there, but they're going to be 
uh, doing the final Maze Runner movie. Thank God they're not breaking up into two films. I hate it when they do that. The, they take the final movie and break it up into two films. And luckily the Maze Runner is learning from other people's mistakes and they're not going to do that. Where it became a mistake is uh, a movie I really enjoy was Divergent. Uh, Shailene Woodley, as you guys kind of remember my story. Uh, yeah, if you guys remember this, uh, The Fault in the Stars it was like my favorite movie of the year. And uh, that day I watched Shailene Woodley. Uh, it, it was just, I love that movie. I don't know why. It just, it, it hit me on all my heartstrings and I loved it. The same night I watched Divergent and I watched these two cancer uh couple love you know cry all this and that and then they turn out to be brother and sister in the divergent movie but hey what the hell it was a super fun movie and i really dug divergent and then i saw the sequel i really enjoyed that but then the third movie came out and um, i never watched it but then i knew that i think it's because i got pissed off because they were going to take the final movie and break it into two movies well then the third movie bombed and now they're not even going to make the sec the final movie which is terrible and the because of that now they're going to make it a tv show and then shanley woodley says nope to the diversion tv show she's like i didn't sign up to be on a tv show out of respect to the studio and everyone involved they may have changed their mind and may be doing something different, but I'm not necessarily interested in doing a television show. So, you know, I got to give the girls some props and respect there. Um, it kind of sucks. I guess I just need to watch the second movie and just call it the end. I don't know. Um, I got to ask Jameson what he thought of the third movie. But, yeah, it's just, you know, eh, I hate it when movies do that where they break it up into two parts. I think it's stupid. I think it's a big mistake. Uh, but that's just my thoughts on that. So um, that's it for news. I want to talk about something I haven't talked about in quite a long time, and that's video game news. I want to play a game. want to play? <laughs> Resident Evil. Feel like a monster. Okay, so for video game news, I want to talk about double dipping. So over the years, I've talked about double dipping. You know, uh, like John Carpenter's Halloween, I've double dipped in that thing, I don't know, a couple, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, twelve times. Uh, Karate Kid, oh uh, man, Knight Rider. There's various things that if I have a love for and a passion, uh, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy, I bought that three times just so one, I could have a, uh, a case, the Blu-ray case because the hologram moved. I bought the collector's edition. I bought the DVD set. I bought all these different versions just so I could have the different covers and things like that. I know it's ridiculous and stupid, but sometimes I double dip in stuff. But it's got to be something I really, 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 really love. Okay? So in regards to video games. Now, um, there are certain video games that I absolutely love. And the big thing now is remasters, you know? That, that's a new thing in video games. Well, I wouldn't say new, new, but it's kind of a, a trend that's going on, if you will, where they take classic games and they're remastering it for the current consoles. Now, sometimes these remasters are, are pretty awesome. Uh, the ones that I've currently bought, I've uh, double dipped in, would be uh, Tomb Raider, the reboot, the 2013 game. I bought that on PS3. It was the first PS4 game I ever bought, and oh my god, that game is amazing. I, Tomb Raider, you know, I've always loved Laura Croft. However, I've always hated her games. They always suck. 
I could go forever and talk about why this is the case. However, just trust me. I, I've talked about this on previous episodes, but the Tomb Raider reboot is the best. It's rated M for mature because you can take arrows and shove it through people's eyes and faces. And Oh, it's amazing. So much blood and carnage, man. It's got awesome tombs and it's just, it's so freaking amazing. I love that game. And then Sleeping Dogs is a game which is basically True Crime 3. Uh, if you play True Crime on the PlayStation 2, uh, that would be the third game. It's basically like Grand Theft Auto, but with the conscience. You get to be a cop, and you either can be a good cop or a bad cop, just to kind of break it down for you. Now, the, the newest ones were Resident Evil uh, 4, 5, and 6. Those are all great. Graphically, they look amazing. They're super fun. You usually get all the download content onto the new remasters. So the biggest game that I've been waiting for is the Batman Arkham series uh, for remaster. Now, we're not talking Origins here because keep in mind this is the Rocksteady games. You know, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight. That's your that's your Arkham trilogy. Arkham Origins is canon uh, because, you know, Arkham Knight definitely has villains that were in Origins are in Knight. But the Rocksteady trilogy is Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. Now, Arkham Knight is fantastic. Uh, it's it's Oh, so I, oh my God, it's, it's amazing. But the Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, like Arkham City is my favorite game of all time. So of course I want to play it on the PS4. So when they originally announced the remaster for these games, it was the first time in my experience. And keep in mind, I've been dealing with remaster games for about a good two, two and a half years. It was the first time where the original looked better than the remaster. I mean, it was pretty terrible. And because it's Batman, I'm like, I really want to buy it just so I can play it on PS4, but it looks like crap. And the whole point of the remasters is to make it look just as great as Arkham Knight does. So, of course, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get, uh, you know, new content or anything. It's the same stuff before, but technically this is a remake and a remaster because they're using a new Unreal Engine, unlike they used on the prior games. So it's almost, it's basically a remake and a remaster at the same time. Well, needless to say, the game got delayed and now it's finally coming out in October. And I'm super pumped for it because it looks like they fixed a bunch of problems that people had. I mean, now they've had it rain. Um, there's so much details. It, it, it's going to be awesome. And then Rise of the Tomb Raider is finally coming to PS4. Um, it was an Xbox One exclusive, which was stupid. It was a sequel to my, to my favorite Tomb Raider game. And uh, I'll be honest, I'll admit it, I bought an Xbox One just so I could play this one game. You know, it, I know it's crazy, why would you buy a system to play one game? But that's why I bought the PS4, so I could play the so I could play Arkham Knight. And now my collection's growing. So it's awesome that I have both systems because going forward, any games coming out that's exclusive to that system, I now can play. You know, so I don't have to worry about, well, I can't play that game because it's on that system. Or I can't play that game because it's on that system, you know. So I'm super pumped in regards to that. But um, the, the biggest thing is Rise of the Tomb Raider is finally coming to PS4. They're adding all this extra stuff. It's going to look awesome. So October is going to be a fantastic month for me because I get Rise of the Tomb Raider on PS4. And Arkham Asylum and Arkham City are coming to the PS4, Xbox One. And uh, it finally looks great. So if you get a chance and you love those games and you have the new system, it's only going to be 40 bucks. Uh, to get the remaster, most remasters are cheap. Uh, like the Resident Evil games, they're twenty bucks. So, uh, but 
you know, I'm a big graphic guy, and you know, uh, the Resident Evil games, I love them. Even six, everybody hates six. I love six. It, it was fantastic. That's the first one I played. I, the reason I I waited so long to get four is I hate Ashley with the passion. She's oh my gosh, she's so annoying. Uh, but all all those games are great. It was super fun to go back and play them again. So uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend that uh, you check out remastered games. You know, if you're if you're a fan of double dipping like I am, they're so worth it. So um, I haven't found a remastered game that disappointed me yet. So all right, well that's it, guys, for news and video game news. Let's go ahead and get into the review of the Wedding Singer. Before the internet. Before cell phones, before rollerblades, there was a time. Everybody on the dance floor. Very nice, Grandma Molly. When Robbie Hart was the most popular wedding singer around. You spend me right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, round, round. Hey, somebody get some pants on that kid. Until he got stood up his own wedding. I woke up this morning and I realized I'm about to marry a wedding singer? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! New Line Cinema presents Is it true that you're in the middle of a nervous breakdown? Whoopity-doo! Adam Sandler Hey, psycho. Get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band and they break up. And Drew Barrymore You're the wedding singer. How you doing? I'm Robbie. I'm Julia. In a story about finding love where you least expect it. Uh Uh-oh. What? You like her. No, I don't. This is my fiancé, Glenn. I don't even know your last name. It's Gulia. Julia's last name is going to be Gulia. Julia, Gulia. That's funny. Why is that funny? I, I don't know. I just... Now, the girl of his dreams is about to marry Mr. Wrong. That's grade A, top choice meat. Good morning. You can make breakfast from bed? Unless he can pull off the performance of a lifetime. She and Glenn just jumped a plane to Vegas. Go get him. All right, all right. Ah! Are you thinking of leaving Glenn for the wedding singer? He's more than a lover. What do you think of the jacket? I don't know, man. I would lose that glove. You look nuts. He's more than a legend. You are the worst wedding singer in the world, buddy. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! The Wedding Singer. I said hip-hop. I hip it to the hip to the hip-hip-hop. You don't stop the rock to the bang-bang-boom. You say up-jump-the-boom to the rhythm of the boom once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Oh, the goofball brothers. Is it true that you're in the middle of a nervous breakdown? No. Nervous breakdown, nervous breakdown! Who said that? Everybody's been saying that. Everybody? You're eight years old, you only know your parents. What are you talking about? Is it true that you're going to end up in a mental institution? Cuckoo's nest, cuckoo's nest! All right, let's talk about The Wedding Singer. So, before we get into the details of the movie, I should probably get into my history with Adam Sandler. Uh, there's definitely a lot of movies that I enjoy and love. There's some I like, there's some I hate. Uh, I definitely have a, a soft spot for Adam Sandler, which is kind of funny because I really hated him for the longest time uh, during STL, I definitely did not think he was funny. I thought he was annoying. I, I never liked anything he ever did or anything like that. I think one time I heard the turkey song, you know, the Thanksgiving song on the radio. I thought it was kind of entertaining. So I'm like, eh, yeah, it was all right. Um, of course, his first movie he ever did 
uh, was going overboard, which uh, I didn't watch until I became a fan of Sandler. And don't ever watch it. It's it's a complete trash piece of crap. But, uh, you know, some of his earlier movies, you know, Coneheads, uh, Airheads uh, was the movie that I did, which I told you guys I, I did uh, thoroughly enjoy that movie. I, I love that movie. It was good times. Uh, it was the first Steve Buscemi movie. Uh, an Adam Sandler movie. Obviously, I saw them together. Uh, but I really, you know, there was Billy Madison that came out, Happy Gilmore. I really was like, eh, I don't, I had no desire to watch those. But there was one movie I watched, and I watched it because of the other actor that I became a fan. And unfortunately, he hasn't made any, he hasn't made movies like this really since. And that was Bulletproof. It was uh, with Damon Wayne's. Uh, it was this action comedy. I, I have huge love for Damon Wayans. You know, he's one of my favorite guys from In Living Color. Uh, I, I love him. I love him in Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis. So I watched it because of this. Adam Sandler, you know, God, he swears like every other word in that movie. But what was just, it was so great because they had so much chemistry and it was funny because Adam Sandler wasn't being stupid. He was just being a regular guy, just doing terrible things that were happening in the movie. And I really enjoyed it. So after Bulletproof, which my wife hates Bulletproof, but I freaking love it. It's so, so good. Uh, after Bulletproof is kind of when I... Uh, went back and I, I decided to check out um, uh, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. I definitely like Happy Gilmore more than I like Billy Madison, which is funny because I don't like golf. But Billy Madison was just really stupid. I mean, it, the more I watch it, the more I like it now. Uh, I don't have anything, you know. The thing with Adam Sandler movies, and I'll, I'll kind of touch base on this in, uh, later on in this one. There's always that one scene in all of his movies, or at least most of them that I can recall, where there's that over-the-top, ridiculous, stupid scene. You know, like, for example, um, in Big Daddy, where you have the courtroom scene where everybody's calling their dads. Uh, it's so over-the-top and cheesy and ridiculous and stupid. Uh, same thing with, like, um, I don't know. It, it's just always some stupid, cheesy, over, over I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just so over the top, so cheesy, so ridiculous. And it happens in so many of his movies. Um, so I think there was a lot of that in Billy Madison. But Happy Gilmore was really fun times. And then, of course, The Wedding Singer came out in 1998. And then that's when everything changed. When I really decided that, yeah, I really like Adam Sandler. So this movie did help me fall in love with Adam Sandler. And there were future movies uh, you know, coming out like Big Daddy, I really enjoy Waterboy. Uh, it took me about two viewings to like that one. Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo. I love that movie. I just watched it the other day. Oh my gosh, it is still good. All the man horse stuff. Uh, Rob Schneider is just fantastic. That's a huge bitch. You know, oh my gosh, I, I love that guy that always screams that in the background. It's so good. I love Deuce Bigelow. It's so, it's so terrible. Such a piece of crap movie. I, I mean, that movie is fun. The sequel is utter trash. That's an F all the way. I'll never, ever, ever watch the movie again. Just like Ace Ventura 2. I hate that movie with a passion. I'll never watch that ever again. But I love, 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 love the first movie. Just like I love, love, love Deuce Bigelow, but I hate the sequel. Ugh. And I don't even remember Adam Sandler being in Deuce Bigelow. But uh, Little Nicky was interesting 
to say the least. I I think I had a hard time with that one just because the whole premise was being the son of the devil and all this and that. But POD sound the, the soundtrack is amazing for Little Nicky, and of course I have a soft spot for Patricia Arquette. So I really started to enjoy Little Nicky. And the thing I love about Adam Sandler movies is you always know you, you can count on having the same guys in every movie. You know you have uh, the guy uh, if you've seen Grandma's Boy, uh, so good. Um, basically the guy. There's like four sets of dudes that are in every single Adam Sandler movie, and Little Nicky, you know, they were the uh, the, the real crazy rockers. They're like, yeah, Nicky, way to go, you know. And they got Nicky's room at the end of the movie. Uh, that was that was funny, but uh, yeah, that that's one thing I always enjoy about Adam Sandler. You can always count on his buddies being there. Um, the animal, which I don't ever remember him being in there, and that's probably because I tried to get that movie out of my brain. Uh, Mr. Deeds, that was okay. Punch Drunk Love, never saw. Anger Management was okay. Um, Polly Shore is dead. I never saw that. But uh, my favorite, favorite, favorite Adam Sandler movie of all time, hands down, is Fifty First Dates. Now that doesn't mean that uh, I'm going to talk diff- you know, bad about this movie or anything. We'll get into the details. But uh, you know, most people, their favorite Adam Sandler movie is The Wedding Singer. Which I totally see why. For me, you know, in the Drew Barrymore sequel in the trilogy, Fifty First Dates kills me in all areas. I just I love and adore Fifty First Dates. It's so awesome. Um, it's kind of like the Wedding Singer is there. You know, they first get together. You know, and then Fifty First Dates is when they uh, they go have a deep relationship and then blended is when they're married and have kids, you know? Well, I like to put it this way. Wedding singer is the early years and the engagement. 51st dates is the marriage and then blended is with the kids. You know, that's kind of how I like to look at the trilogy, uh, in a weird, awkward way. Cause I love all three of those movies, but for different reasons. So, uh, Spanglish never saw, but the longest yard. I really like that movie because there's a lot of WWE wrestlers in that movie. Super fun. Uh, Stone Cold's complete jerk off. Uh, you know, William Fickner's in that movie. I really enjoy the longest yard. Uh, Click. Oh, I forgot how great Click was. Oh my gosh, David Hasselhoff's in there. That movie is super sad. Like this, the first like 45 minutes are super funny, and then the the last of it. I mean, I cried like a little baby watching that movie. So, Click, arguably, if somebody said it was his greatest movie ever, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't argue with that. So, uh, after Click Rain, this is kind of where, okay, I definitely think that Click was like the peak. And then after this, this is when he started going downhill until he made Blended. Uh, so, after Click, you got Rain on Me. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which is okay. Uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. I hate that movie. Bedtime Stories was actually really good. Grown Ups, I actually like. I actually enjoy Grown Ups. I know it's not a very good movie, and it's brain brain dumb entertainment. I like Part Two way better than Part One. Uh, just go with it. Wasn't too bad. It was pretty. It was okay. Uh, Jack and Jill. I still don't really like that movie. That's my boy. Is absolute terrible. I hate it with the passion. Man, this is a great podcast. And don't mind me. I just got a text. Uh, yeah, that's my boy. Even Vanilla Ice couldn't say that movie. You know, that's why I wanted to watch it. It was so bad. Like that's my boy. Is like the dude 
got like drunk and decided he wanted to make that movie. Uh, but then I think he redeemed himself when he made Hotel Transylvania. Got it was a big hit. Good times. Grown Ups 2, I definitely enjoy, but Blended, Blended for me is the last good movie he ever made. Uh, which which is okay because it's part of the Drew Barrymore trilogy. So I know he's made, you know, like uh, Pixels, Ridiculous 6, The Do-Over. I haven't watched The Do-Over just because I couldn't even get through a half hour of The Ridiculous 6. But I definitely have a soft spot for Adam Sandler. I'm not as hard on him as most people are. You know, I know there's a lot of people that absolutely hate him. They think he's just, quite frankly, most people think that he's just washed up, which... When they say stuff like that, it's really hard to argue. But I think just because of all the movies I've watched and had such a good time and good laughs, I just have a soft spot for him. And and I'll continue to watch uh, movies he brings out, but I know they're not going to be good, and which sucks. I mean, I want him to have a big hit again like he had before. But, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But in regards to this movie, you know, this is, in most people's eyes, the best, which is you know, I mean, this is the movie that changed me around, you know, watching this movie, uh, made me go back and watch airheads. And even though I enjoyed them in airheads, I enjoyed them even more because of this movie. So this movie came out in 1998 and, uh, even though it takes place 1985 and it was a a financial and critically acclaimed movie. Uh, most people are calling it Adam, you know, Adam Sandler's best movie. Many praise the chemistry of Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. You know, this is one of those movies where their chemistry is so crazy that you really wish that they were together in real life. That's how amazing it is. Now, this movie, you know, kicks off. You got an awesome, awesome beginning here. You got Like a Record, fantastic song, one of my favorite 80 tunes ever. Now it's been remade. It's some stupid sex song now, I think, but... This is a really awesome way to start the movie. What I really enjoy is the fact that they purposely don't make you think Adam Sandler is a good singer. I mean, let's be honest. You know, he, the only time he really is truly singing is at the end of the movie, uh, you know, for uh, Grow Old With You. You know, for the most part, there's a few there's a few times where he's really singing good. But for the most part, it's just, yeah. You know, he's not trying too hard, you know, and I guess that makes sense because he's good enough to be a wedding singer and but he's just not good enough to be a professional singer. So it works out perfectly. I like the fact that they don't try to trick you right off the bat. It's just it is what it is. You know, it's a good way to start things off. Uh, Everybody's having a good time. And then, of course, we get the beginning of the Sandler buddies, Steve Buscemi, uh, drunk off his ass, uh, the brother of the groom. Uh, doing embarrassing stories, and of course Sandler comes to the rescue and tells them, "Yeah, don't worry about him. Uh, you guys, the way you look at each other, you guys are gonna be looking at each other's eyes forever." And you hear in the background, uh, Steve Buscemi, "They're gonna be divorced in a year." Oh, it's so good, man. Uh, he's so funny. Uh, what I dig, of course, are more of the Adam Sandler friends. Uh, the guy with the long hair. That when George comes up, now funny enough with George. Uh, George is played by, uh, what's the name? Alexis Arquette. Now, Alexis Arquette, if you don't know, is a dude who became a girl. And this is in real life, okay? I know it's because I was watching that VH1 show with uh, Vanilla Ice. Uh, It's like, you know, where all the celebrities come together and hang out and stuff. And Alexis was there being, but he was currently a girl. 
So, and it's funny that he plays Georgina in Blended. He's reprising his role instead of George. He's now Georgina. But he's funny. He has my favorite scene of the movie. But he's funny because he's having a good time on the keyboard. It's a good introduction. And then, of course, after the Steve Buscemi situation, he has George take over. George only knows one song, which is, uh, what song is that one again? Um, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Of course, he looks like Boy George. The Sandler friends are together in this scene, as I like to call them, because you have Steve Buscemi, when George is singing, who's like, ooh, I like her. And then the one guy who said, ooh, scary, with the long hair, he's always attached to the guy who had cross eyes in the water boy and then they were also best friends in Little Nicky, who got Nicky's room at the end of the movie. You know, those two were always together. And then, of course, but the main Sandler friend in this movie is Alan Covert, who plays Sammy. You know, his biggest role, uh, you know, he's in every Adam Sandler movie, but his biggest role would be Grandma's Boy. That's a really good movie. Check that out. But, yeah, he plays Sammy. He's uh, Robbie's best friend. He always likes to dress like Michael Jackson. He's really funny. Uh, but yeah, he's the guy who gets to say scary. And uh, so at this point, we get introduced to the rest of our characters. You know, Drew Barrymore, who plays Julia Sullivan. She's in the background. She's the hostess. We have Christine Taylor, a.k.a. Marsha, from the Brady Bunch movie. You know, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. She plays Holly. And those two, they're best friends. But, you know, you could tell right off the bat, Julia is a nice, you know, clean conservative girl uh the girl next door and holly is the adventurous if you will uh the one who probably likes to kiss and sleep around you know it's not a problem for her but uh they both do a fantastic job in this movie obviously okay so my favorite scene in the movie is where george is up there he's singing you got robbie and julia are in the back uh talking for the first time having some good funny moments and uh and Sammy comes in it it tries to get Robbie to come help and uh yeah, here we go <laughs> oh man that's my favorite man where the guy's like you suck you suck oh i i had to record that and play it because I don't know what it is. I I can watch this movie over and over and over and over and over again, and I always laugh at that part. It's just the way he says it is just so so good. So, um, and then we get uh, our our introduction to uh, the little nice old lady who's uh, who's super fun. She's great. Uh, God, what what's her name? Rosie, right? Uh, yeah, Rosie, played by Ellen Dow. Uh, she is fantastic because she likes to pay. Uh, Robbie and meatballs, uh, but she has a very sexual side to her. Now, I remember the first scene of them together when she's talking about how many men she slept with and it creeps Robbie out and stuff. Uh, but the second one, I don't remember, you know, the one where she's talking about how big and small his penis is, depending on what point of uh, reference she's talking about. I don't know. I thought maybe I had like an uncut version of the wedding singer, but I just don't remember that part. I remember the first one, but not the second. But anyways, uh, this scene's really cool because, you know, establishes that when he's not a wedding singer, he helps people with uh, music, you know, as like a day job. But at the same time, if he gets paid in uh, meatballs instead of money, he's okay with it because he's just a really cool laid back guy. 
and then you get to the wedding and uh this is kind of funny because uh it's really nice elegant you got you got julia there and then you find out that his bride-to-be has canceled on him and i like it when george starts crying and the makeup's all going down things like that and i really dig when they go back to the house because uh, they've established that he lives in his parents' house with his sister. I think it is. Yeah, he lives with his sister. Parents are dead. You know that from a later scene. And I really dig the brother-in-law. I don't remember his name, but he's got this really cool Italian haircut. And just the way he talks, I really dig him. He's funny. But I love these kids because this one kid comes with a Freddy Krueger mask and, and the knives. And I had that mask. I had that hat stunk really bad when you put it on your face but i remember that and i like the kids they're trying to cheer him up he's like okay freddy krueger why don't you go back to the boiler room it was really cool to see that because i'm telling you man uh you know whoever they got that mask from took really good care of it because it looked like it was brand new out of the box i really enjoyed that because the ones they got nowadays don't look as good as the one that was made back in the 80s. So that was pretty cool to see that again. Now, one of everybody's uh, favorite moments from the film is the uh, things that would have been, you know, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday scene. It's where we get the confrontation between Robbie and uh, Linda. And uh, she looks like a skank anyway, so you're doing much better by not marrying this chick. But what I really dig is when the kid comes out, and Linda! You're a bitch. And then, you know, you could tell Robbie wanted her to say that. But then he's like, oh, we're getting him uh, tested for Tourette's and stuff. But the whole conversation's really cool. Um, there's some anger there. And it's a good conversation. And he's like, you know, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. And she gives some BS reason why she doesn't want to marry him. And it's a good thing, man. This is very good. You don't want to marry this chick. Trust me. But when he just screams things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday, you know, it's so famous, so iconic that people remember it still works. I don't know what it is, but it's still a solid scene. But I just I love that little kid, man. And then immediately we flip over to Julia, who's singing the there's something about I mean, OK, Drew Barrymore. I've always thought Drew Barrymore was utterly cute. I mean, she's up in there with me for like hotness, like Elizabeth Shue style, you know, from the Karate Kid. I mean, Drew Barrymore, she started off as a little kid, you know, she went through her drug face. But I'm telling you what, the girl always took care of herself, even through her drug age. She still always looked good, but she's one of those women that get better with age and she's aged so well, but she's so cute in this movie. My personal favorite Drew Barrymore look, look though, is 51st Dates. But when she's doing the 99 Love Balloons song and she's got her eyes and her head up in the clouds kind of thing, I don't know. I just, I love that shot of the way she's dancing and just singing that song. I like that song anyways because, you know, you have the English version and then, uh, and then the uh, the version that's non-English. So that was always fun to try to find back in the 80s, try to get both versions. Uh, 99 Luff Balloons and then 99 Balloons. So yeah, that was always fun to get that. But then we get introduced to, uh, shortly after that, is Glenn. Because he interrupts this conversation. Glenn the douchebag. Uh, huge, huge douchebag, man. Uh, this guy thinks he is uh, Miami Vice style. Now, don't get me wrong. The guy playing Glenn, he's doing a fantastic job. Because you really hate this guy. You really want to just reach into your television and just strangle him, especially when you find out the stuff he's doing to Julia later. So no doubt about it. The guy playing Glenn does a fantastic job. You hate his guts. 
you know, your your hero is only as good as your villain. And this is the villain of the story is Glenn because Glenn is just a, a guy who thinks he's Don Johnson, who works in the city, cheats on Julia all the time, and uh, he's a complete and total tool. So, you know, we get introduced to him and he immediately is just like, uh, you know, I want to get married in Vegas and you could just see the look on Julia's face. And he's like, fine, we'll do it your way. And she's like, thank you, Glenn. I love you so much. Blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Enough of Glenn. Let's move on to uh, the depression side of Robbie. So we get Sammy uh, jamming to pass the dude. Uh, what is it? Pass the Ducci? Yeah, Pass the Ducci. That's a fun song. Uh, and he's got his Michael Jackson outfit on and goes to see goes to see Robbie. And I, I love I love the Italian guy. He's all like he's all watering the grass. He's like he's having some kind of mental situation. And you know, I don't know, just the way he says that and what he says cracks me up all the time he's like oh crap i got water all over myself so i don't know i i really dig that italian guy he's so so funny so of course sammy comes in and he tries to motivate uh ravi to go back to work and of course it's kind of a funny situation him sitting in the basement talking about fabric softener and all this good stuff but he's like i just want somebody to play with your ding dong you know so he goes back to work he sounds terrible singing Holiday. The best part about this is having George go, Holiday. Oh, so good, man. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. You got you got Robbie all depressed and just like, tell everybody I live in my gentle page, man. I mean, it's so terrible, right? I mean, he's per. If like he wasn't a bad singer, he's really, really trying in the pit of his stomach to be an absolute worst in this scene and i love it and you got george all super happy and just oh it's great i love it so uh that's really funny and of course love stinks i think this is one of uh it's a big song that people love from this movie i you know it's a typical adam sandler comedy routine you know when he does you know i have his album what the hell happened to me very funny album uh, I got it after I liked Adam Sandler. Tons and tons and tons of swearing in that one. But I think The Cult uh, is my favorite skit. So good, man. Uh, oh, man. I could go on and on how much I love the skit of The Cult. It's just so funny because it's got him and Sammy playing basketball. But anyways, it's a good album. But there's various songs where he's singing like crap. And Love Stinks sounds like it came from that album. Super fun. And then, of course, he gets punched out by that one dude. And uh, Robbie has hit rock bottom at this point in time. And this is a pretty cool moment in the film because he's got to hit rock bottom before he can go back up, right? So this is when I really love the kids the most. When Robbie, still in depression, goes to babysit for his sister. And, uh, of course, they have the callback to uh, Dallas with the... Uh, what's his name dying which you know was a big thing in tv that day but i just love it when the little kids are like are you on the verge of a nervous breakdown nervous breakdown nervous breakdown you know i i love those little kids man cuckoo's nest cuckoo's nest i love that kid man he's so cool the kid who uh you know is like aunt linda you a bitch i love that little kid man he's so good but i love this little scene especially you get another awkward sex talk see the cool thing is is that most of the comedy these days are all like raunchy, sexy comms or, you know, um, you know, gross out humor, if you will. But this is what's cool about this movie is they have sex humor in it, 
but it's tasteful. I know that sounds weird, but there's something about the way it's done in this movie, which obviously Adam Sandler doesn't really give a crap about later on in his movies, but particularly in this one, maybe it's the way it's written or whatever, but the sex jokes are funny because of the awkwardness of it. You know, when you have old ladies talking about how many men she slept with and you have the disgusted look on his face and then you have a later scene where she starts talking about his junk and his disgusted face and then right here where Robbie's talking about, you know, oh, sometimes she'll play with my nipples. You know, I, I, there's just something about that scene and all the sex talk scenes, like I said, there's like three. There's not a whole lot. But there's something about it done in this movie that's done very well that today's movies suck at. You know, it's like they purposely are gross out humor and and all this stuff. That's why I don't like to review comedies. I like to review the comedies of the 80s and 90s because they were good stuff. You know, that's why when Jameson and I did This Is The End because it was something that was it was kind of special it was different it was it was actually a funny movie you know 21 jump street i really enjoy that movie and i don't like 20, 22 jump street um there's just various the, the comedies are kind of hit and miss these days dumb and dumber is probably the last great com, com you know comedy movie that i can remember you know but of course the heat i love the heat um so i don't know i there the comedy nowadays is really hit and miss it's uh, it's kind of unfortunate because I love comedy, but the in this movie the sex jokes are written very smart, and I and I really appreciate that. It's good stuff. So yeah, anyways, I really dig, uh, you know this this whole sequence uh, when Robbie goes to his sister's house and uh, with the kids and you know the nipple talk, all that good stuff. So really, the uh, the Robbie and Julia relationship really starts to kick off at this moment in time because. Sammy and Robbie, they go to Glenn's party and you have Julia who's really excited to see Robbie there. Robbie's still in full depression mode and you have Sammy in the uh, Michael Jackson outfit and I dig this. It was real funny, the comedy going on here with uh, making fun of Glenn about Miami Vice and Sammy saying how oh, Robbie throws it back in Sammy's face about, I thought you said you were going to give it to her and give it to her in the worst way. You're a jerk and then he flips flips them off but the chemistry really starts to really kick in in this moment in time because it's going to lead into the uh where robbie starts to finally sing and and he sings that song where julia is dancing with the little kid that's all and just the way that she's the way he's looking at her as he sings the song is really at the moment in time where i start to think he really starts to kind of fall in love with her and just the goo-goo eyes that she gives back to him. The one thing I always wondered about this scene, though, is so the kid, the the kid that Julia picks is the depressed, you know, the depressed kid, the fat kid, the one that says, you know, oh, nobody will pick me. And then it just immediately cuts to where he's like, I want you to pick the coolest guy in here. I wonder if he secretly told Julia to pick the kid or if Julia really did pick the kid on her own. They never tell you. You just kind of have to think for yourself on that one but I've always wondered if behind the scenes he said hey why don't you go ahead and pick that kid so you know you're beautiful and if he can have if you pick him for the dance then everybody will be like real shocked and those guys are a bunch of jabronis anyways man I mean those kids yeah pick me Julia yeah yeah I mean those guys uh they that's really the only bad scene in the movie are those kids trying to act it's terrible those kids are pitiful I think they didn't get paid any money to be 
and on stage at that point in time, whatever. But if you look at their faces, it's atrocious. It's really the the worst scene of the movie are those kids trying to get Julia to pick him. And not really during the moment of, hey, pick me, pick me. But it's after the fact. If you just look at their faces, it's absolutely terrible. But anyways, I mean, it's nothing to not, obviously knock down a score. But it's funny. So next time you watch the movie, take a look at those kids after Julia picks the kid. And look at all the other dudes that she turned down. Their faces are like, okay, I'm done. Can I leave this? You know, can I leave now? So kind of like when that girl and karate kid on the beach starts yawning and the director didn't catch it. Yeah, stuff like that. So it's good times. Now, if you don't remember, when Robbie was singing, he was singing at a bar mitzvah. So he's officially at this point given up being a wedding singer. So he's promised to help Julia with the wedding, you know, pick out all the arrangements, all that good stuff, be a nice friend. So he's going to help her get a wedding singer. And that's when we get John Lovitz. Good old John Lovitz. I love this guy. He's good times. Uh, he's great in uh, bench warmers. I just recently watched him in, you know, Jameson's favorite actor in the whole world, James Belushi. I watched him in Mr. Destiny just a few days ago. Love that movie. And it, uh, John Lovitz is just good times. So, of course, he's even he's even worse than Adam Sandler is. But this scene's really good. My my daughter, my oldest daughter, she loves this song, Somebody Kill Me. It's her favorite song. I don't know why. It's just the way he sings it. But I'm almost certain uh, that and I, I know this song is on volume two of the soundtrack, but I guarantee you there's no parental advisory sticker because he's, this is where you get the most swearing in the movies in this song because he says the F word, I think twice, because in PG-13, you can say the F word twice. And I know for a fact it's on volume two, Quote me if I'm wrong, but it's unedited. So you get the movie version with the swearing on the Volume 2 soundtrack with no parental advisory sticker. So, but this song is great. It's real calm and then it gets real crazy and he starts screaming. But uh, it's it's really cool. And, and the thing that I really dig the most is shortly after this scene is the theme plays of Julie and Robbie, which is Grow Old With You, the song that's at the end of the movie. Number one, I love that song. It's it's the song Adam Sandler actually really sang on really good vocals, but the actual melody plays in a few different scenes. It's kind of like their, their, their theme song, if you will. I really enjoy that. It's, you know, it's nice foreshadowing of what's going to happen at the end of the film, but we roll into a montage, which is really cool. Uh, it's really funny of just, uh, picking out dresses and wedding cakes and the driving you it's cones they were cones you know things like that i really enjoy it you know we especially in 80s movies we always had montages so it would kind of be a fault of the movie if it's taking place in 1985 and we didn't have a montage so props to the wedding singer for remembering that 80s movies need to have a montage and you got one in your movie good job and it's a, it's a really good one. So now, of course, um, it is kind of funny when Glenn comes home at that one particular moment and talks about having a CD. Well, I guess I should back up a little bit before I talk about Glenn. The kiss, right? I mean, before Glenn comes home with his, what, $500? No, $700 uh, CD player, you have the kiss that happens between Robbie and Julia. And it's fantastic. It's good times. And you had to have known that what's her face, Marsha, you know, Marsha Brady, uh, Holly, <laughs> you had to have known she was trying to set these two up. She plays all stupid, like, oh, you really have a thing for it. Yeah, don't act like you don't know. You don't just normally have your best friend kiss some dude uh, 
uh, when you, you know she's about ready to get married. So you know that Holly wanted them to hook up. I mean, come on, let's not be stupid. But it's a great kiss. That's when you got the you know grow old with you kind of plays in the background, and uh, I like it. I really, really like it. It was pretty awesome. So we have our moments where they're having a great time together. And then, of course, we have to have what starts to become big misunderstandings where one of them thinks the other one is doing something different. What I mean by that is we have the misunderstanding of where doucheface Linda shows up and she comes over and they and she thinks that they're together or Robbie will see her in the window and think that she's happy about getting married. So there's these huge misunderstandings that happen about three times in the movie some movies it would be too much or overdone but somehow it works in this movie um you know one thing i really enjoyed the first part when linda comes over they play uh well no not when linda comes over they play the theme song of charmed i have no idea what the name of the song is it's freaking awesome but I love it when she comes over. I love the whole, why don't you get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you break up the band. I like the the scene prior to that where Robbie finds out that Glenn's cheating on her. And you have Blue Orgy or Blue Monday playing in the background, which was redone rock style by Orgy. I love the music in, in this movie. But this is kind of the point where you know Robbie realizes how much Glenn's a douchebag and... You know, then we start getting all these misunderstandings throughout the film, and, and that's kind of how the the basically the third act of the movie is: is lots of misunderstandings going on, and neither one of them are happy in their situation, but they feel like the person they really want to be with doesn't want to be with them after they had all these good times together earlier on in the movie. So I think my favorite misunderstanding scene, you know, your first ones with Robbie and Holly. And Robbie thinks that Julie is getting married because, you know, she's materialistic, only cares about money, so he gets a job. I think my favorite is when she realizes she really does love Robbie and comes over and then he's been out job hunting and he's just like, well, you know, it's a material world and I am a material girl or a material guy. You know, I, I just like that scene. It was it's pretty good chemistry between those two, even when they're arguing. You can still feel the passion there. I think that's why it's my favorite. But pretty much uh, we have all these big misunderstandings. Julia at some point is going to get pissed off and decide, you know what, I'm going to get married. And that's when they're going to go to Vegas. But the dumb scene that I was talking about that Adam Sandler movies always have happens at the bar when you have that old guy who's from Pee Wee's Big Adventure uh, when Sammy's just like, sometimes I just want somebody to hold me, you know, and you have that old guy holding him and they kind of make it weird. Like they're going to get together or something like that. It's that scene is, I could totally live without, I think they should have cut that out. I think it's stupid, not the talk, but the whole, sometimes they just want somebody to hold me and you have the old guy there and they make it look like they're going to have a gay relationship. I don't know. It's just there's always that one stupid Adam Sandler cheesy scene that just drives me insane where I'm like, you're doing such a good movie and then you got to have some ridiculous stupid scene in here. So that one just drives me up the wall every time I see it. I try to fast forward if I can't. But essentially at this moment in time, uh, we get the... Which is funny because we get another cheesy sequence, which is going to happen in a few minutes, which will be at the end of the movie. But it works for me, which is where it doesn't work for me in the bar. But 
Julia goes with Glenn to get married and they do some foreshadowing, you know, when Robbie tells Julia, you know, the little stuff in life matter, you know, like having given somebody the window seat, you know, and they purposely follow that up with having Glenn take the window seat and not even give it to Julia and be like, oh, yeah, the card hits my elbow. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll be nice to you and I'll let you lean over and you can look out the window. Yeah, because I'm a douchebag. That's why. So, you know, I really enjoyed the foreshadowing that had gone on earlier in the film. Happens now. But, of course, we have Billy Idol, which I really like this. They don't kind of like with the Adam Sandler singing thing. They don't cover up the fact he's not an amazing singer. And they don't cover up the fact that you're dealing with a much older version of Billy Idol. Billy Idol is amazing. You know, I love me some uh, his tunes, you know, White Wedding, all that good stuff. But, of course, my favorite is Rebel Yell from The Legend of Billy Jean. But I like how they show his face on the cover, Rolling Stone. Then you see the real Billy, you know, Billy Idol. His face is all older. they didn't care and and i'm cool with that i like that it took them some balls to do that instead of giving them a crap load of makeup to make him look all you know young again so our end sequence takes place on the uh on the airplane and what i was talking about where the dumb cheesy scene works for me is obviously when you're in first class and you're telling folks about your story, they don't typically get all around you and listen to the whole story and everybody care about it. That never happens, but it happens in this movie. But the 80s, eh, people were more caring back then, so maybe it would have happened. Who knows? But I just find it kind of obnoxious that he tells everybody about the story, and even Billy Idol, who was drunk off his ass a few minutes ago, he's interested in hearing your story. But it works. I don't know why. But it works just like when they try to bombard Glenn and everybody's helping out and it just works out where he gets locked up in the bathroom. It works because you know what? You've given the movie so much. What's the word I'm looking for here? You've given the movie so much goodwill that it totally works at the end and you're totally forgiving of this cheesiness. I don't know why the one in the bar about, you know, the old guy and and whatever. I don't know why that doesn't work for me, but this ending is cool. Maybe it's because it's just the ending we finally wanted to see where Robbie and Julia get together. He sings that amazing song and makes her cry. They kiss. Well, no, right before Billy, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to tell the record guys about you, man. Do what you got to do, man. Let's let's him kiss. It's fantastic. Uh, I love the ending where you have uh, Steve Buscemi is now a new wedding singer. It's awesome. So yeah, you know, final thoughts, man. I really I really love this movie. This is the movie that made me love Adam Sandler, start getting into his filmography and uh future movies going forward I always watched and I've kind of touched base earlier about how those movies have affected me now, but this one definitely if it's your favorite Adam Sandler movie, I could see why. For me, 51st Dates is my favorite. Uh I I am definitely going to do the Adam Sandler Drew Barrymore trilogy. I want to continue this conversation and get into depth of why 51st Dates is my favorite. And then, you know, obviously talk about Blended, which I feel is his last good movie. Uh, some people really hated it. Other people really enjoyed it. So for me, I really enjoyed it. It had a, it had a lot of heart. It was something that he hadn't had in movies for quite a while. But uh, this movie gets a solid B+. I really enjoy this movie. I don't watch it as much as I do 50 First Dates, 
But if I kind of am in the mood for these two, I will throw in the wedding singer first because I always like to think of it as like, you know, the boyfriend girlfriend stage goes steady and then 51st dates they get married kind of thing. So uh, I definitely, that's, I, if I want to start off the movie marathon, it's a perfect one two punch wedding singer, 51st dates. That's kind of how I look at it. So yeah, Salad B, great movie. If you haven't watched in a while, go check it out. Uh, I think you'll have a really good time. So that's it for the movie review. Let's go ahead and get into some emails and hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, so our first email comes from John the Music Man. What's up, man? I haven't heard from you in forever. Here's what he had to say. Hello, Mike and the STL. First off, welcome back to podcasting. Explanation point. Thanks, sir. It's great to be back. I knew you'd be back. I wrote that in my Arnold voice. <laughs> oh, man. But let's talk The Wedding Singer. And, of course, I love this movie, but I am biased. I like all Adam Sandler movies. Yes, even the bad ones like Little Nicky. It's okay to like Little Nicky. You just like, that's my boy. That's the movie that I'm like, no way, dude. There's nothing good in that movie. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll get drunk one night, which I don't drink. I haven't drank. Oh, my gosh. How many years has it been? It's been a really long time. But maybe if I decide to get drunk, I'll, you know, maybe I'll throw that movie in and maybe I'll have a different opinion of it. But I don't know. But every time I watch this movie, I laugh at um, some. I laugh at some, uh, or there's so many great scenes like him getting paid with meatballs and his ex wearing the Van Halen T-shirt, and as well, I love the soundtrack. All great '80s music comes, you know, brings me back to my childhood, and it's such good times. John, the music man, thank you so much for writing in, sir. Uh, good to hear from you again. All right, our next one comes from Lisa the Legend. What's up, girl? Here's what she had to say: Hello, Masunis and the STL Nation. I have to mention again how happy I am to have you back. Explanation point, explanation point, explanation point. <sighs> awesome. It's like welcoming your family back home. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be back and it's great to have everybody write in. So thank you so much. I was, of course, stoked to hear you reviewing The Wedding Singer. Gosh, what a great movie. It's everything you loved about the 80s wrapped into a flashback mode. I am a big fan of Drew Barrymore, of course. Adam Sandler can be hit or miss for me, but this is definitely a hit. There is something that really works with Adam and Drew acting together. It just seems to work. I think this is a movie Adam Sandler really worked on. He wanted his funny comedy, but he really wanted to go back to the 80s. We all know how much I love the 80s. The songs are catchy. The throwback's so classic you can't help but laugh. It is just me, or does it seem... Uh, crazy that it's been almost 20 years since this movie has come out. Yeah, that is whew, that is crazy. I know there are bits that can be cheesy, but they are gems at the same time, which I agree with you. The end is cheesy, but it works. The bar scene sucks, but that's, you know, but again, the bar scene works except for that, that 15 second, uh, the moments I hate in those Adam Sandler movies. But, you know, again, it's nothing that would drop my score. So I'm totally cool with it. I'm I'm just I use that as an example of the cheesy moments in Adam Sandler movies, and I'm just like, really, you got to throw that in there. The worst offender is Big Daddy in the courtroom scene where they all call their dads. That's the worst by far. 
Uh, I love, let's see, going back to the email, we can't forget our love of all the mullets. Um, I just, okay, I'll just mention some of my favorites. We can't forget our love of the mullets. I love when Linda comes back after the wedding trying to talk to Robbie and he keeps saying things that could have been more useful yesterday. I love that part. Then his nephew comes out and calls her, well, not so nice of a name. The song he called Somebody Kill Me Please, it's odd and weird, but it gets in your head and it really, really sticks with you. Plus, the uh, the added bonus of John Lovitz in this scene is awesome. Love Stinks wasn't even as bad as it sounds. His lessons with Rose and the rapper's delight, of course, that was fantastic. We can't forget about Glenn and his grade A top choice meat. I love when Robbie is talking to Glenn and he finds out her name is going to be Julia Gulia. Terrible, I know. I even love his song he wrote for her at the end of the plane at the end of the plane. This movie always makes me laugh. Feels familiar and always a solid watch. It's a B plus for me. Alright, girl, we're on the same track, same rating, good times. Looking forward to your solid review. Take care, Lisa the Legend. Good times. Yeah, I did forget to mention Rose does an awesome rapper's delight. I think that's in an iconic scene from the wedding singer by far is her, you know, she does a very solid rapper's delight. She's just a sweet lady. Everything she says comes out of her mouth. You know, I think that's why she was the one that did most of those sex jokes because you couldn't help but laugh coming from her. And it's true. Glenn always said grade A top choice meat. You know, that's of course when that, that whole scene is fantastic. You know, I know I didn't talk about it, but that when he finds out that Glenn is cheating on Julia, just the way he looks at him, like he wants to kill him and the way he gets him to confess is really great. He has, he has great emotional range in that scene, I think, because he's just like, he wants to kill him, but he's like, well, how do you do it, man? You know, I don't know. There's just something about that scene. that I really enjoy. So, uh, thank you, Lisa, the legend for writing in awesome, awesome stuff as always. So thank you so much. And we have one final email and guess what guys? We have a new emailer to the STL Nation. You know what happens when we get a new emailer? Banzai, Daniel-san! Hey, Banzai! 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 <laughs> All right, so this is pretty cool. We got a new listener already uh, wrote in, already joined the group. Pretty awesome. Has an awesome name, John Real, like R-E-E-L. So that's freaking great. Um, this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad that I already have a new listener in chapter two of STL. Pretty sweet. Even though I lost a crap load of listeners, I gained a new one. So that's awesome. Here we go. Greetings, Mr. Masunis. As someone who spends a lot of time in cars and has listened to many different podcasts, I was glad to stumble upon yours. I can't wait to find out how you did. I think I asked you, but I think I forgot too. Sorry. As a huge fan of the 80s pop culture, especially movies and music, it was nice to find a podcast that isn't pretentious. Oof, big word. And I actually said it. You should be proud of me, Jameson. What I enjoy about the STL podcast is that it isn't a couple of guys sitting around complaining about dialogue or lighting or camera angles. It's just a guy who likes movies telling us what he likes about them. It's like two buddies sitting in a car with one telling us about a movie he likes. A real movie podcast for real people. Thanks for doing it. Well, man, that is awesome. Uh, yeah, I definitely save all that other stuff, you know, complaining about dialogue and camera angles and stuff. I save that for other podcasts. And it's never been my style. So, uh, I mean, of course, there's things I care about, 
But, you know, all that other stuff, the the hardcore stuff, yeah. You know, if when I go into a movie, I just want to enjoy it and see what I like and see what I don't like. So it's pretty cool. Uh, thank you for that. You know, it definitely makes me, um, makes it worth it just coming back uh, to STL and getting, you know, response like this. Very awesome. So thank you, sir. Uh, now, on to The Wedding Singer. I've described this movie many, many times as Adam Sandler's love letter to the 80s, and that's how it needs to be viewed. I agree 100%. Yes, it's full of uh, anchorisms, but that's not the point. It's a fun romantic comedy set in the 80s. Robbie Hart, Adam Sandler, former lead singer of Final Warning, is still living in a small town, earning his living as a hired singer for weddings, bar mitzvahs, etc., and providing single singing lessons on his side, uh, on the side. Sometimes being paid in meatballs. After being left at the altar by his fiancée Linda, Robbie falls into depression, and after being encouraged to assist his new pal Julia Sullivan, Drew Barrymore, with his wedding plans, the two eventually fall in love. Dealing with Julia's colossal douchebag of a fiancé, Glenn, and the funny adventures of the wedding planning, ending with an amazing scene on a plane with a cameo from 80s rocker Billy Idol wraps up this amazing story into one nice little package. Wow, that was a great summary, sir. Holy crap. Uh, man, I, I should have used that for my summary. Good times. The chemistry between Sandler and Barrymore is amazing. Seriously, after watching this movie, how could you not fall in love with Julia? She's sweet, beautiful, and amazing. I hear you, sir, man. I hear you. People love to pick apart this movie. Okay, this ought to be interesting to hear why. I honestly don't really hear people rip on this movie. So let's let's see what he has to say. About the timelines. Ooh. Let's see. This movie is supposedly set in 1985, and there are several references to 1985. The Van Halen breakup, the Glenn DeLorean, Back to the Future, was in 1985. Robbie's brother in law references the who shot jr storyline from the tv show dallas which was in the 80s but you have to overlook that stuff and understand that this movie is more of a tribute to the 1980s and all the awesomeness that it that was in it you know what i was born 1979 um as you know i love the 80s you know 1984 i think jameson and i we went through that and just said how that was probably the greatest film you know film year ever you know there's so many great movies came out of there 1985 i mean everything from 84 to 89 was freaking gold i can't really say too much about the timelines because you know what i was a little kid at that moment in time getting in the knight rider and he-man thundercats and all that other good stuff so you know i can't I, I can't say I was old enough to know if all these timelines were right or wrong, but who cares? You know what? That's that's not what this movie's about. It's about, you know, these two people. You know, I, I like to say that the new song that came out this year, and let, let me kind of go on a tangent real quick before I finish this. Uh, you know, as you know, at the end of the year, I always do a big, you know, top 20 songs of the year with my top five, but... For whatever apparent reason, 2016 has been real lacking in music. The first half, anyways. I very rarely found tunes that I was like, man, this sucks. I, I don't even have a number one song of the year yet. Then, like, after June, July, it started kicking into full gear. So one of my favorite songs of the year is Shawn Mendes' Treat You Right. And this, when you listen to the song, now, if you watch the video, it's about domestic abuse, about this boyfriend that's just kicking the crap out of his girlfriend and Shawn Mendes just wants, it basically just says that, you know, why, you know, 
a girl like you needs to be treated by a gentleman. Why are we wasting time on all of your past sins? You know, you deserve somebody to treat you right. And that should be me. And and as I listen to this song, I think about this movie because I literally watched this movie and I heard this song, but I never really like listen, listen to it. But my daughter plays it like all the freaking time. And I listened to it. I was like, wow, this song really is exactly the relationship that I just watched is you're seeing, you know, Robbie sitting here having Glenn treat Julia like utter trash. He doesn't hit her, but he treats her verbally and, you know, mentally, abusively, just the whole works. He's just not physically hitting her. And it was like that song. I was like, man, that's a, you know, that song is literally this movie. So at least the second half of 2016 is picking up in music. So that will definitely be in my top list. And uh, it's definitely a theme song of The Wedding Singer is that song. So I highly recommend you check it out. It's pretty awesome. And the video is uh, really powerful too. So good time. So let me finish up what uh, John had to say. This is mine and my wife's favorite Adam Sandler movie. Good job. Uh, I keep a copy of this movie on my iPad and anytime we travel, this is one of those movies we'll watch. Thanks for reviewing this movie. I can't wait to see what's next. Always remember alcohol equals puke equals smelly mess equals nobody likes you. And since you have the microphone, I guess we'll have to listen to every damn word you have to say. Keep it up, John Real. Well, John, here's the thing. Because you wrote in, you officially get an STL nickname. I don't. You probably don't know this, but that's kind of how the rules work. Uh, every time we got a new emailer, you know, that's what made you officially part of the STL Nation is you joined the group. So that was awesome. But once you email in, it's like, boom, now you have the, the cool club. You know, you get cool club points. You get your own nickname. And your name is too cool, man. I can't think of a nickname besides John Real. I mean, dude, your last name is Real, R-E-E-L, like in movies, like a movie reel. So you already have movies in your name. I don't know how it could get much cooler than that. So I'm going to come up with a nickname for you, John Real, but I just like calling you John Real because it's cool, man. We have to have another John. We got John the Music Man. We got John the Mailman. And now we got John Real the Movie Guy. So it's good time. So I will come up with the with the cool nickname for you, but right now I'm just going to call you John Real, the movie guy. And I'm great. It's great to have you in the nation, sir. Um, it's pretty cool, man. I didn't think coming back to STL I'd get any new listeners. I knew I would lose some listeners, but it's cool that I got new ones. So that is it for the emails. Thank you, everybody who wrote in. Awesome stuff. So let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. All right, so for sure with this movie theme being 1985 and everything, I thought, well, I definitely got to play a song from 1985. But then as I was looking into it, I realized me and Jameson already did this a few episodes ago. And uh, we basically went down the list and we picked Careless Whisper as the song we wanted to do. But we did the Seether version instead because it was rock and roll. So I was like, well, what am I going to pick for the tune? It's like, well, I could do Bowling for Soup, 1985. You know, that's a really good tribute song. But then I heard this brand new song. It's fantastic. I want to play it now because 
I don't think a lot of people have heard this song and it is super, super catchy. And it's almost like a song that would have been released in the 80s. It just has that vibe to it. And the name of this song is called In My Mind. And it's from this girl. Her name is Maddie Noise. And it's almost disgusting how catchy this song is. I heard it once. I fell in love with it. It's, I mean, as you know, I'm a sucker for the anytime you have the na-na-na-nas or any of that kind of stuff. And it's in this tune. But the way the beat is, the cool thing is there's this drum beat that kicks in. Right as you're getting into the big part of the chorus, it's super awesome, super catchy. I think you're totally going to enjoy it. It's a different kind of relationship song than we were dealing with in The Wedding Singer. But needless to say, it's a great song and very reminiscent of the 80s. So there you go. And uh, I might throw in a bonus song at the end. Who knows? But that's it. So in regards to next episode, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll be doing one more review for September before we roll into the STL Oktoberfest. So the next movie will be The Burbs. So get your emails in for that. And if you want to email in, remember the email address is stlpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook page is still www.facebook.com slash podcast. You can follow STL on Twitter at STL Podcast. Um, trying to be more active on Twitter. Um, here's the thing. Uh, with STL retiring, obviously a lot of people uncheck the subscribe button from iTunes. So if everybody could just do me a favor, you know, uh, this episode, the prior episode or the future one, if you could just kind of maybe you see it, you know, just share with your friends on Facebook. You know, I kind of want to get everybody knowing, hey, STL is back. Try to get as many people back as I can would be great. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, you know. I had to expect it to happen because, I mean, when I retired, I retired. That was the end of the show. I wasn't expecting to come back. But you know what? Uh, I'm glad things worked out the way they did. Everything happens for a reason. And uh, I needed to take that time off and, and start a, start anew. So it essentially, that's what it is. It's starting anew, getting fan base back together again. But all my existing fans, if, you know, just maybe this episode or the next one or the Jaws episode, maybe share it on Facebook. Let everybody know, hey, STL is back. If you were checking out the show, check it out again. You know, that'd be cool. Try to get some more people back into the group but uh, or back in the groove of uh of downloading the show so but it is what it is so um uh before i end i just want to say that uh, i'll be posting a few movie suggestions in the vote for the stl october fest i've gotten some really great suggestions i can tell you for sure one movie i'm doing is the green room i heard great recommendation from jameson two of my favorite people from fright night are in that movie uh i can't wait to check it out Maybe might do The Exorcist. I've actually never seen that before. I did tell Jameson I would probably haunt him if I uh, if I got possessed. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm probably going to do four movies in October. So I, I want to try to do two movies I've never seen and two movies that I have. We'll see how it goes. So I'll throw up a vote. And uh, I'll announce it on the next episode, what movies won and what you can expect in October. Looking forward to it. So if you want to join in on that, make sure you look up the STL Nation and Facebook to be part of the group so you can be part of the voting process. It'll be good times. And then uh, once October's over, first episode in November will be RoboCop. And uh, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be exciting, man. Uh, of course, my favorite episode of the year is the final episode where I do the top 20 songs of the year. My top five movies of the year. That's always fun. I'm looking forward to it. 
So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I had a blast, and I can't wait to hang out with you guys and talk another movie, Mr. Tom Hanks on The Burbs. It's been a long time since I've seen that. It's still on Netflix, so hopefully when I go to watch it again, it'll still be there. So make sure if you want to write in, I'd love to hear from you. So hope you guys enjoy this new tune. It's pretty awesome. And remember, you heard it here first on STL. So when this song blows up, it's all over the radio. It's because you heard it on my show. Boom. That's what I'm saying. So all right, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Masunas out. I know I messed it up with every other guy I swear you're different and this time I'm gonna try We can stop fresh if you just let go of the past, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't get it cause I don't judge you like that, yeah Can't just love me in pieces, gotta love it all, yeah You try to make me feel like being human's wrong You got a lot to say about me and my past Well, I don't, I don't, I don't get it Cause I don't judge you like that Let me run in other places in my mind, in my mind How could you even say I never try, never try Places in my mind